office was really strong in the menthol, and I put them in the put one in my mouth at work, and I had the mask on, and all that menthol going right up into my eyes. My eyes started watering, <coughs> but hopefully, hopefully next week there'll be a, a order come down that we can get rid of our mask on base. That would be a, such a blessing. It. It's leaning, it's headed that way, it looks like. I'm so hoping. <clears throat> All right, last week we got started. Is it not on? Is it on now? Testing, one, two. Battery might, battery might be dead. Yeah, is it on up there on the top? Okay, red light. Testing, one, two, three. Nope, okay. Well, I'm hearing it, but let's go ahead and move the battery in. Um, the Council of God is where we got started last week. Test one, two, three. There we go. I hear it. It might just not be registered on there. I don't know why. Okay. Too loud. All right, so the counsel of God, and then we had the plan of God, which we started, the plan of God in relation to the universe and men, and the meaning of it, the scriptural fact of it, we looked at the scope of it, uh, is where we got to, and uh, yes, the scope of it. We did the scriptural fact, and the, plan of, uh, the last statement was the plan of God is based upon his sovereignty and is the expression of, his, of the good pleasure of his will. And uh, again, I'm, I, it's no accident that we are where we're at in, in the scriptures or in this study here and the world situation. And I look at things like this, I'm thinking, you know, you know you're, he's always right on time. And just uh, to help us understand, you know, he's in control. And again, there's so many people. There's a man on base that, uh, so we run the emergency management program for the base. And so obviously there's only seven of us and I'm in my office and we can't, we can't educate 30,000 people. So to do so, we, each of uh, the squadrons have an emergency management representative for the squadron. So as we put out newsletters and as we put out, you know, we put out the, like the, the Turk, you know, the tornado season, we'll put out this, what to do in the tornado and they'll post it in their work areas and things like that. So they're supposed to have at least a one, one time a year, a face-to-face -face refresher meeting at our office, the representatives. Last year, because of the COVID, last two years because of the COVID, a lot of those meetings was done virtually. And so now that things are relaxing, uh, the fellow over that program is trying to get everybody back in like they're supposed to, to have a face-to-face. -face. And there's one man that is the representative for his squadron that he's been working from home ever since they first started working from home and he won't come to base. He is that fearful. 
of the COVID. And he doesn't want to come in for a face-to-face because he doesn't want to come on base because he's afraid that he's going to get the COVID. And he and I'm like, what does he do with his groceries? What does he do with all that? But he's like super, super fearful over the thing. You know, to the point where it just it's it's crippling him and his life. You know, and 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 we could all get that way. We're flesh. But when we as Christians look at the bigger picture and based on the scripture and look at who God is and know that he knows the end from the beginning and know, you know, uh, like the song says, <clears throat> you know, I don't know about tomorrow, <laughs> but I know, you know, who holds my hand. And, uh, you know, he knows all things. He, he's guiding us all through there. He knows the end from the beginning. We know from the scripture and the book of Revelation, like was rehearsed on Sunday, we're kings and priests. We're going to rule and reign with him. It's already written in the scripture. Uh, there is a there is a, a heavenly host that's going to come back with him riding on horses. I'm already written in the scripture. I'm on one of those horses. Hey, there's going to be a great marriage supper, and guess what? One of those seats is for me. <laughs> I'm already there in the scripture. <laughs> so whenever I read of future things, I know that I can place myself there. And that helps overcome some of those fears. That helps overcome some of those um, wonderments, if you want to put it that way, when we don't know about tomorrow. (laughs) But we know who holds tomorrow. And there's the key. Sometimes you don't know about tomorrow. There's many, there's been lots of times, you know, of course, Lisa's like, (laughs) how can you lay down and go to sleep? I said, well, it's bedtime. She said, well, what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and what about this? I said, they'll all be there tomorrow. (laughs) And I go to sleep because it's sleeping time. And I get up. God knows. He's working when I can't work. Am I always that way? Not always. But most of the time, I try to be that way. Because, you know, Life's too short to make it shorter from high blood pressure. <laughs> Stroke. <laughs> because of, you know, the, the anxiety that, that a lot of people have. But I, I just try to put my faith in him. It'll be there tomorrow. He's in charge. I can sleep because I know he's watching over me. He's my shepherd, like was preached down at Fifth Sunday, Psalm 23. Hallelujah. All right. We're at, none of that was in here. That's just testifying. All right. The counsel of God here. So the scope of the counsel of God. Again, where we got to. So this, the counsel of God is in all things in general. All things in general. Ephesians chapter 1. Some of these scriptures we rehearse over and over again based on the different uh, points in the outline, but the scope of the counsel of God in all all things in general. Ephesians 1 and verse number 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. 
excuse me. Whew. The the menthol has made me sneeze. Obtaining an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So he worketh all things. And that's generally speaking. All things in general. Isaiah chapter 14. Let me just run these references. There's a lot. Tonight's lesson is a lot of references running versus there's like one statement by one person, but that we'll probably get to Isaiah 14. Ugh. My Bible will turn right. There we go. Isaiah 14, verses 26 and 27. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? So he, he is counsel working in all things. Then Isaiah 46. Verses 10 and 11. Declaring the end from the beginning. Well, let's back up. Let's get nine. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Hallelujah. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel, there's, there it is, his counsel. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. <laughs> Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. That's God. And to be anything less would make him not God. And so, again, when, we, you know, people go off the deep end, like we discussed, you know, last Wednesday night, in some of these doctrines, they're here, but they're doctrines, nonetheless, that have been preached long before Calvin come along. <laughs> Obviously, because it's written in the book of Isaiah. And then um, Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, Daniel, 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 I seen the D. Daniel chapter 4. <coughs> Daniel chapter 4, verse number 35. Let's go ahead and get the beginning of the sentence. Verse 34, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned in me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, 
and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? He's going to do what he's going to do. And he's going to, and if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Whether it's that ravenous bird or whether it's working in, you know, so he, he, he does it in the, the lives of the animals. He obviously had, had sent the hornets to drive out the one inhabitants of the land. Um, he, 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 he caused the, the dumb ass to speak. And he stayed his stayed the the donkey there with the angel of the Lord, and he knew that the cock was going to crow three times before, or going to crow, and and Peter was going to deny him three times before it crowed. And and I think the word the Bible says immediately upon that third, uh, the third time that the third denial, I think the Bible uses the word immediate and immediately the cock crowed. God, God already knew exactly when it was going to happen. All right, so here's the doctrinal statement there. The scriptures declare that all things are included under the divine plan, that he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So there is the counsel, the scope of it again, all things in general. Now we're going to look at things in particular. And so the natural things, we'll see the natural things in particular and the spiritual things in particular and how God works in particular. All right, not just general, but now in particular. All right, so Psalm 119. <clears throat> now this is... He's, he, his counsel working in things in particular, the natural things, and this is the permanence of the material universe, the permanence. All right, so 119, Psalm 119, uh, verses 89 through 91. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast, thou, thou hast established the earth and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have uh, perished in mine affliction. Let's just go ahead and read through 96. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought my, thy precepts. The wicked have waited uh, for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen uh, an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. But there, 89 to 91, uh, again, they continue. What continues? The, the fact that the heavens are settled and all the generations and everything. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. <laughs> And the, 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 the planets have their circuits. The, the stars have their, their sockets. <laughs> That'll preach. And everything is just right in the heavens. God established it. And so in particular, things are exactly the way they were. Are. And for generations to come. 
All right, then the affairs of nations in Acts chapter 17. So he works particularly in the material universe. He also works particularly in the affairs of nations, Acts chapter 17 and verse number 26. And let's grab, let's go back to 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Verse 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the, earth, all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. But there again, he's, a, them determined, he's determined the times before appointed. So he has worked particularly in the, air, in the affairs of nations. He's worked particularly in the period of human life, Job 14. Job 14. Verse number five. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as an hireling his day. So he has determined the number of his months. Now Stonewall Jackson was a fine Presbyterian. in the sense that when they taught this doctrine in the Presbyterian church, he had a handle on it. And he knew that his days were numbered. And he knew when his time was up, there was nothing that anybody could do about it. And because of that, as a general, he was out front. A lot of generals, <coughs> they could Because he knew that his times were in his hands. And again, he was not going to die until God wanted him to die. And when God wanted him to die, there was nothing to do that he could do about it. In fact, he was shot by his own person. By his own man. And then and he's got, there's, it's recorded what he said on his deathbed. And, he, and he, again, he talked about God, uh, his, dying, his dying breath. But um, he, he lived this. Uh, and so in, in the period of human life, Job 14, 14, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. 
One person I know put it, a preacher, <clears throat> he put it that we're invincible. <laughs> you know, again, you're going to die when God wants you to die. Now, that's not to go out and say that we're going to go stand on the railroad tracks. <laughs> and think that that locomotive hitting us is not going to kill us. <laughs> We're not to tempt the Lord thy God. But at the same time, we can lay our heads down and know, you know, if I die in my sleep, then God wanted me to. If not, then I'll wake up tomorrow. You know, there's so many people that just are so tangled up uh, because they don't really realize that God worketh in our lives particularly. As he does. All right. So he works particularly in human life. And then he works particularly in the manner of death. The manner of death. In John chapter 21. John 21 verse 19. Let's back up to see what he said. Because it says this spake he. <clears throat> Verse number 18. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. Okay. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest go. He's talking to Peter here. And he tells Peter that he's going to be crucified. Because that's where we're going to get to, verse number 19. This fake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. When, and when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. He told Peter, Peter, you're going to be carried, you're going to be bound and carried, and you're going to be lifted up. You're going to be crucified. And, because it's stretching forth his hands. And Peter did die. And, of course, historically, it wasn't in the Bible. I know that was painful. But historically, they said uh, that Peter didn't want to be crucified like his Lord. And he has to be crucified upside down. Uh, St. Andrew, Andrew was crucified. And so on the Scottish, it's on the Scottish flag and on the British flag. The Scottish flag is a light blue, like a sky blue, with a white X. And that's called the St. Andrew's Cross. And that is incorporated into the Union Jack. If you look at England's, England's flag is a white flag with a red cross. And then Scotland's flag is a blue flag with a X cross. And then so the Union Jack, and I forget what Wales is, but Union Jack has got the X and the regular cross all combined for Great Britain. Anyway, they said Andrew's Cross was an X versus a, the regular cross like that back there. Anyway, so several, of them, you know, a couple of the disciples were crucified. But he already told him not only, you know, you're going to die, you know, when you die is in my hands, but how you die I already know about. And Christ, Christ already knew and told um, Peter how he was going to die. All right. Turn with me now to Ephesians 2. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. <clears throat> and so he works in particular. Let me just go through these again. 
in the permanence of the material universe and the affairs of nations in the period of human life in the manner of death. And now he works particularly in the human actions, good and evil. So we have two verses here, one for good, one for evil, I assume. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. So we've already read this before. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he works in the actions, uh, in human actions for the good, but then he works in human actions for evil in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis 50 and verse 20. Uh, let's see here. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you. Back up, that goes back to his brethren. <clears throat> so looking at Joseph's life, which is a tremendous story, but here at the end of Joseph's life, or after their father died, then uh, the brethren, their brothers, feared because they felt that the only thing keeping them alive <laughs> at Joseph's hand was the fact that their dad was living. So verse number 15, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. So they knew, and we seen and read the story, that they did evil to him. They put him in a pit. They, they, they lied about his demise. Well, actually, they just, they put, I think, if I read the story the way I read it, they, they got the coat and they put blood on it and then just let their father come up with his own conclusion. Either way, they didn't, refute it and then they sold him off into slavery so that was evil that they had done so they sent a messenger to joseph saying thy father did command before he died saying so shall you say unto joseph forgive i pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin for they did unto thee evil and now we pray thee forgive the trespasses of the servants of god of whom thy father and joseph uh, uh, the god of thy father and Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we pray thy servants, or we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am, for am I, or am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. So there again, did God do the evil? No. Did God allow evil to be done in Joseph's life? Yes. But if you read Joseph's life, it brought him to a place. <laughs> and you see God in control. God, it brought him, it brought him from his brother, brother's house to Potiphar's house, and God blessed him and God gave him 
get the word. Favor in Potiphar's house. And, of course, we know evil was brought upon him at Potiphar's wife. And he got put in prison. And God showed him favor in prison. And God, it was evil that the, that the one forgot after he was restored back to his position at Pharaoh. But in God's timing, he remembered the dream. And then he was put in he was put into the second uh, seat of the kingdom of e Egypt, and God saved through that, through Joseph, saves his people. So sometimes when evil comes upon us, <laughs> and we say, why God? You look at Joseph's life, look at Job's life. And we have to understand that still God is in control when bad things happen to good men. We don't necessarily know what's going to become of it all. But we know as a child of God that he's working in our lives. All right. So then, so he works, he works things in particular in the natural man, which we just read. And we're going to look at the spiritual few things here, and then we'll be done for tonight's study. So, in in things in particular spiritually, now here it is. It's in here, man's salvation. First Corinthians two. This is where the one, two, three years don't like to go. <laughs> the Armenians. So you have the Calvinists in one ditch, and you have the Armenians in the other ditch. The Armenian, the, the, uh, they follow, is it Armenian or whatever? Anyway, they follow after his teachings, and that was basically, whether, you know, whosoever will can come whenever they want to. That's it. Make your decision. The, the, they take the free, the, the free will of man to the opposite. All right, so I'm talking and didn't not turning. First Corinthians two and verse seven. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. In Ephesians three. Verse number 10, to the intent now, let's back up, get the sentence, oh, come on now, all right, eight, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed. Again, this is talking about the counsel of God 
He purposed, he's eternal purpose long before the world ever began. <laughs> the word eternal means that. To the eternal purpose and, and, and long after the world is ending. Uh, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. So again, verse number 11 goes right back to 10, to the intent now. So he had it hid, and it was a mystery, and he had it hid, but then uh, he's, he's brought the preachers out to preach it, that now it might be made known in salvation. So think of, uh, think of all that. He could have started off with the gospel. <clears throat> Adam and Eve could have you know, sinned in the garden, and one of their offspring, you know, or, or one of their daughters, being a virgin, could have given birth to Christ and died and just saved before the antediluvian world, before it all went, before Noah's Ark. But God already had, had everything hid, but then we see all the things in, in the sacrifices, in the tabernacle, in the priesthood, in, 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 in the feasts, in all things, all those things pointing to Christ. But the gospel was hid. But it was revealed now in the New Testament, New Covenant. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see here. And let's go ahead and grab another C further right here. Let's go to 1 Peter 1. There's several here, but we'll just look at this one. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. Mm. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be unto you, and peace be multiplied. All right, so. All righty. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of the time of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not, that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister to the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel Unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. And we kind of rehearsed that when we were there. So he works spiritual, uh, in particular spiritually in man's salvation. And he works in particular spiritually in the kingdom of Christ. In the kingdom of Christ. There's three scriptures here. Uh, Psalm, and this is the last one here before the, let's see, Psalm 2. Psalm 2, verses 6 through 8. Yet I have set 
my king upon my holy hill of Zion, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Again, this is in particular in the kingdom of Christ. He's already mentioned here prophetically the son and what would be given him. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 and verse 34. Matthew 25:34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom for, uh, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was, in, uh, I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Again, back up to 34. Um, it was, uh, he works in particular in the kingdom of God, and it was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He was working in particular that way. Found in the kingdom of Christ. And then Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verses 12 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you to do, to do both to will and to do his good pleasure. So he works in particular. All right. Well, here's a statement by this Vaughn fella. The apostle here tells that it is God who works in us even to will. That there is not a holy desire, not a good counsel, any more than there can be a just work which does not proceed from him, which does not originate with him. I, I, I read that and I said, that's pretty deep. <laughs> Let me read it. So there is not a holy desire. Think about it. We're before Christ, before Salvation, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Did we have a holy desire? Not unless he put it in us. Did we have a uh, good counsel? <laughs> so, it come from him. Go back as far as we may into the origin of our acts. Personally. personally uh, our acts. We can never find the point at which God was not present, at which God was not engaged in the production of any one action which was all right and good. And I got to thinking about that one too. You know, and before salvation, I've got to thinking about the people, the keys, the people that God allowed me to interact with. The preaching that I heard, the Sunday school teachers that I had, my praying grandmother, the people in my life that was examples or that spoke to me the gospel of Christ, that lived it in front of me, that I could just, you, know, you just knew that they were Christian, you knew that they were different, the way that they carried themselves, 
and and if I'd have never known them, then I wouldn't have been influenced by them. But God allowed my paths and their paths to cross. And in such, in so doing, then when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, then I had heard and I had seen and I had understood. Let's see here. Uh, okay. Let me read to you. So, as it is with salvation of the soul, that in all true doctrine the final result is referred back to God's foreknowledge and God's predestination and God's calling. While the fullest scope is given to man's free agency and to man's free will, so it is with the separate acts of such as shall be saved. And it takes both. In man's economy, it takes both. God is not going... God can show mercy and show grace in extending out the gift. And he does that week after week after week to those that sit in here lost when they hear the gospel and we have actually taken things and held it out and said, look, it's a gift. Here it is. My son is here. I've given it to you. He's paid your price. But I know in my life, in my testimony, that there was two times that I rejected it. No, I don't want that. Because I was hanging on to this. That was my free will. I said, no, I rejected his outstretched hands with the gift. And his dealing with my heart, drawing me to him. And I said no. And I left those two times lost, knowing that I could have obtained salvation those times. But God, <laughs> who is rich in mercy, thank God, passed by my way one more time. And my free will then took the gift. So he extended it, and he worked in my life to have me the places that I was in, hearing the gospel that was preached, and so on and so forth. And there, there's where we as Baptists, and we as Bible doctrine believers, don't fall into this ditch and don't fall into this ditch. It is an act of God in his sovereign grace, but it is... The free will of man that has to reach out and by faith obtain it. Otherwise, he could have just made us all robots. And we would we would be just like, well, even the angels had a rebellious streak. But he could have just made, made creatures that would be, be like those seraphim. That all they do is call holy, holy, holy. All the time for eternity. But he didn't do that. He made us after his image. <laughs> and he gives us a will. And he gives us the ability to reason. And he gives us you know, the ability to reject in our will. 
and to accept that. He knows who will and who won't. We don't. But we have a will, and we can exercise that. And we, we know of testimony. Who was it? Uh, somebody in here talked to, the, I think, a uh, fellow that used to go down to Pollard that would come to church, but he, could, he would testify that he was beyond grace. He was, he was already reprobate. Yeah, so I've yeah, so I've heard of testimonies not just that one but others. They come to church just because that was what they was raised in, but they knew God had stopped dealing with them. Sad, sad state of affairs. All right, let's see here. So again, let me read that. As it as it is with the salvation of the soul that it uh, that in all true doctrine the final result is referred back to God's foreknowledge and God's predestination and God's calling. While the fullest scope is given to man's free agency and to man's free will, so it is with the separate acts of such as shall be saved. Whatever is good in them, if it be but in wish, in desire, in will, is entirely of God. Left to themselves, they could no more purpose right than do it. It is God who worketh in them both to will and to do his good pleasure. So again, he works us. He works in us to do that will. He works in us and gives us that faith to believe. But the act is still within us. I don't. It, it's it's a little deeper. I mean, we're just, we're swimming in the deep pool. It's just something to think about. But obviously, Scripture backs it up. Here's a doctrinal statement. According to the teaching of the scripture, all things in particular are included in the divine plan. Not one thing is omitted. One more statement. The divine plan is in harmony with God's knowledge, wisdom, and benevolence. A universe with no fixed plan would be irrational and appalling. Dr. A.J. Gordon, and he was a missionary, and whoever his parents were named him, um, Adoniram, A.J., Adoniram Judson. He was, Judson was named after another missionary, the Judson part. A.J. Gordon compares such a supposed situation to that of an express train plunging on in the darkness without headlights or engineer and with no certainty that the next moment it might not plunge into the abyss. That's exactly what our lives would be without God. In darkness. And that's where they are. Dead in trespasses and sins. All right. I appreciate your time. We'll be dismissing a word of prayer. Brother Tim, if you dismiss us, please.
Amen. Amen.